0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Classic Vinyl Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Justin, and I am here once again beside my other host, Tyler. How are you doing today, Tyler? I'm just enjoying that introduction music. Straight, pure rock and roll. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's not bad. I wouldn't say pure rock and roll. It's just kind of a little bass line, but not bad. Pretty hardcore to me. I did create it myself. Yes, you did. You're a beautiful artist. Thank you. I appreciate
1: it. So, are you ready for the album tonight? I am so ready for this album. I, this is a great one. This is this is a very n- notorious album. This, this this album has notoriety, but it's also a very popular album too.
0: Yeah, it's it's considered one of the greatest albums of all time, and we'll get into that at the end of where we think it sits. I think a lot of the hoopla about it—you've got to put yourself in the shoes of the times, right? Yeah, to understand it. But we will get to that. But of course, tonight we're doing the Beach Boys. We're doing Pet Sounds and it does have a couple pretty famous songs off of it. But, you know, I think most people that, you know, don't dive into the Beach Boys any further than their radio play music. Mm -hmm. A lot of these songs could be fairly new to them.
1: Yeah, there's about uh, three or four, maybe two or three. They get uh, radio time, and those are the ones I've heard. I've heard them on the radio. That's uh, how you know. Yeah, for the the very vast majority of these songs, this was a first for me.
0: You know what's funny about the Beach Boys for me is I really do love the Beach Boys. I love their Mm -hmm. early surf music. I love pet sounds and the stuff that came after it. I don't really suffer any kind of problem of hearing them too much, and I don't know Mm-hmm. They don't seem to really fit in well with standard classic vinyl rock radio. No, they they have their own sound. They they kind of do. I mean, when I listen to, I'll listen to Sirius XM every once in a while, I'll listen to the 60 station and you will hear them on there from time to time, but they don't really fall in. You know, you'll hear uh, mm-hmm. Kokomo on the 80 station every once in a while, of course, yeah. but yeah, they've kind of got a... Their own sound, they created their own thing, and it's just strange because I don't really get tired of hearing their songs.
1: Oh, I get tired of hearing their Christmas album. Yeah, I could see that. Little Saint Nick, Christmas Comes This Time
0: Each Year. Yeah, It's a shit song. I actually don't mind it. I'm glad you like but it I don't, because I'm, they're not making any money off of me. But I don't really like Christmas music in general, but... True. If I'm going to hear it, let's put it this way: I want to hear it once, and that's mm. the day before Christmas, and that's what I kind of think about all Christmas music. That's fair. So, well, Yuletide greetings
1: to you wherever you are and whenever you're listening to this.
0: Yeah. So let's give a little history about the Beach Boys. I mean, there's more than we can even possibly cover. We could do a whole podcast on the Beach Boys, but they are yeah. they are an American rock and roll band. They were formed in Hawthorne, California, in 1961, and they were known as the. Pendletones. There you go. I remember this one. Okay, so you know what was really interesting about them is in 1961, 1962, when they first started, they were one of the first American groups to actually play their own instruments, write their own music, and sing their own songs. Funny enough, that wasn't a real common thing. These guys were cutting edge. Um, They kind of headed that up. Yeah, I mean, you go to uh, artists like Elvis and things Mm -hmm. like that. He wasn't singing his own songs. Mm -hmm. He was singing old blues numbers and things like that. Old-timey
1: classics that people have been singing forever, right?
0: Yeah, and and another thing about the Beach Boys is one thing they were great at is they endured the British invasion where many groups didn't. Very true. The British invasion, you know, obviously led by the Beatles and all the other Mm -hmm. big bands that come over it, crushed a lot of the American groups because that sound was kind of known as You know, being out of style at that time and even going to a lot of the early Beach Boys stuff, you know, the so-called surf music. Mm -hmm. A lot of it did sound kind of similar, but I still enjoy hearing it, And I think a lot of other people do as well.
1: I I think obviously they do. That's why they still have maintained their popularity over the years. The Beach Boys, they just seem to capture, um, especially in their early surfing music, um, they really capture the beach life the you know young exciting you know full of hope and love and you know just hanging out with your friends and just living it up during the summer
0: yeah i mean their music their surf style music really explained the culture of southern california at the time you know surfing cars you yeah. know love every called the california sound really and yeah. many a band emulated that sound after him as well
1: oh for sure Th- these guys i would say that they are on par as being the american version of the beatles
0: yeah and in a different way mm-hmm. uh, but they, they're their own band yeah, yeah they really are now let's get to the original lineup but of course consisted of brothers brian wilson dennis wilson and carl wilson brian wilson was on bass and vocals dennis wilson on drums and backing vocals carl wilson on lead guitar mike love was their cousin he he was on vocals and saxophone. <laughs> and, and hanging
1: out with Charles Manson.
0: Yeah, a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't my club, but... Oh, my bad. <laughs> yeah, but there was some of that. And then they had their friend Al Jardine join the band who played rhythm guitar and backing vocals. Now, they were originally managed by, you know, the Wilson Brothers' dad, Murray Wilson. And there's a whole story behind that. But he was a slave driving guy and he yeah. had a lot to do with their early success, but had a lot to do with the infighting and a mm-hmm. lot of issues they had until they dumped him as their manager. That'll happen.
1: Well, the Jackson 5 didn't come out unscathed with their dad pushing them.
0: Either. Yeah, this yeah. is kind of this a similar thing to that mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you yeah. know, it, diff- different music, different. I wouldn't say era, but a different music style, definitely, but same type of thing. Uh, The Beach Boys were signed to Capitol Records in 1962. One other thing they're well known for, along with their California Sound of Music, is their vocal harmonies. From their early stuff, through the Pet Sounds, through up into the 80s and the 90s songs, and still to this day, their vocal harmonies, I think, are better than any band out there. That's my opinion. I
1: challenge anybody to differentiate between any of the Wilson brothers. Now, Mike Love seems like he's a little bit deeper, maybe a little bit more baritone than the rest of them, but all the Beach Boys, um, at least all the Wilson brothers, they sound so much like uh, the Beach Boys. They
0: they do. That and, high tenor. And even Mike Love sounds mm-hmm. real similar. If you're not yeah. super familiar, with, you know, a lot of people would think the Beach Boys had one lead singer and that's mm-hmm. it, you know. And that's another yeah. thing that differentiated them is everyone sang, you know. And that that's something that they did have in common with the Beatles as well. You know, they have sold over 100 million records worldwide, so... They haven't gone unnoticed by any means. Now getting to their albums, they've they've released twenty-nine studio albums, eleven live albums, and you know when we talk about compilation albums? They've had fifty-six compilation albums. Holy cow. That's what I say. Yeah. You talk about a cash grab there, buddy. Oh yeah, they're they're rolling in it. Up. Yeah, so on their studio albums, they had fifteen of those studio albums reach the top forty. They had ten of them reach the top ten. And then they had Two albums, Surf's Up and Summer Days, both reach number two, which mm-hmm. is kind of strange because we'll get to where Pet Sounds reached, but it's considered their best album and it's considered one of the greatest albums of all time by any artist. And that's kind of looking back at it because it wasn't as well received initially as it's looked upon as fondly today, right? True. They did have one number one album, which was Endless Summer. It was kind of a greatest hits compilation that reached number one in 1974. So that's the only number one album they've had. Now, as far as singles, the Beach Boys have released 75 singles. 53 of those reached the top 100. 37 of those songs reached the top 40, and that's actually a record by any American band. That's amazing. Yeah, 14 of those singles reached the top 10. They had four number one singles all in all. I Get Around was their first single that hit number one in 1964. Help Me Rhonda, Good Vibrations, and then finally Kokomo in 1988. So they kind of had a little bit of a resurgence with that. Spanning
1: three decades.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's kind of interesting. Rolling Stone, like I always say, for what it's worth, ranks them as number 12 best artist of all time. And I actually think that's quite low
1: that is a little bit low but um that's that's pretty close for for me i
0: think uh i'd put them in the top 10 for sure yeah i, yeah. I would probably put them in the top 5 okay but when you're talking about those kind of things, there's so many things to look yeah. at, you know, because if you're looking at pure the impact they've made, <laughs> if you're yeah. looking at the impact they've made or on the zeitgeist. Yeah, things like that yeah. or just simply on uh, what the amount of music they've released. There's a lot of how, different, how
1: well known they are. I mean, they're a household name, the
0: Beach Boys. Yeah, there's a lot of different things you can look at. And it's obviously a judgment call by anyone mm-hmm. because a lot of people do There's probably a lot of people that don't think the Beach Boys are in the top thousand artists of all time, and so it is what it is. I mean, like any music, it's really up to your own taste. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1988, one more little sidebar for what that's worth, and they're still touring to this day. And although Brian Wilson and Al Jardine, they are official members of the band, they don't tour with the band any longer, but they are still listed as members of the band. Mm -hmm. You know what is there to really say about them? I mean, they're one of the most critically acclaimed and commercially successful bands of all time. I mm-hmm. mean, regardless of what you think about them, what you think of their music and it spans a long time, they're still touring to this day. In fact, a little story, I was at a car show here in our town just 2 weeks ago and they played the car show and they actually had a special guest playing in the band with them, yeah. which is uh Uncle Jesse from Uncle Full Jesse, House, yes, John Stamos. Yeah, it, it kind of was disappointing to me a little bit because it seemed like most of the people were more interested in uncle Jesse than the beach boys. And maybe that's just because he's more recent. It could be. I was excited. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't go to the concert, but they hold the concert at the fairgrounds where we were doing the car show. And we just sat outside the concert, probably a hundred yards away and listened to the whole thing, just like we were there. And it was great. That's nice. It was amazing. (laughs) And, I've seen the Beach Boys a couple times before that as well, which is, I didn't really want to go sit down in the dirt and watch them, and I knew we would be able to hear them, and they sound pretty darn good for Mm -hmm. what they are, you know?
1: They're not Van Halen, you know, they're not going to be flying all around the stage, but hey, they
0: don't have to. Exactly. So do you want to get to the album review? Yep, let's do it. And now it's time for the album review. Okay, so we're going to review today Beach Boys Pet Sounds. This is their 11th studio album, and it was released on May 16th of 1966 by Capitol Records. This was recorded in a couple different locations, United Western Recorders and Gold Star Studios, and also Sunset Sound Recorders. So three total locations. It was all recorded about a year after Brian Wilson had quit touring with the band. You, You look at the amount of music they released in those first three or four years. You know, their so-called surf-style music. Mm-hmm. And there was a ton of it. Yeah. But once Pet Sounds come out and Smiley Smile and all that, they've been touring since then with various mm-hmm. lineups. And and there have been some reunions with the various members. And, of course, the other two Wilson brothers are dead now. Well, you figure this
1: is their 11th album, and it's only 1966. And already Brian Wilson's just like,
0: yeah, I'm retiring from touring. Yeah, five years. Wow. Basically four years after they signed their contract. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I was looking, I believe it was 1963 they released. It was either three or four albums in that year. So Mm -hmm. they were definitely busy. You know, this album especially is enhanced or, let's just say, written and authored by Brian Wilson's use of marijuana and LSD. It certainly influenced the album. Ah. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, (laughs) He wanted to create the most progressive rock sound that the Beach Boys or any band had done to date. was a huge fan of Phil Spector and his so-called wall of sound. He wanted to kind of recreate that in his own manner, and oh boy, did he. I mean, the amount of musicians used on this album is just crazy.
1: Yeah, it, it's a wall of sound, but it's not a wall of noise, you know, and that that's something that I have a lot of respect for.
0: Yeah, if you do some of the research on this and see the amount of musicians, and obviously the Wrecking Crew famous mm-hmm. session musicians that were used on this, m- among many, many others on this, it's crazy to see how many instruments were used on each song and what went into it. And the sound, it's kind of an interesting sound. I, The kind of rock and roll music mm-hmm. I like, I should not like this album. That's true. You shouldn't. I mean, because I've always said on previous podcasts and mm-hmm. to friends and in general that I want to listen to guitar music. And mm-hmm. this album has very, very little guitar.
1: I think the most guitar that you hear is bass guitar. And yeah. it's just keeping that bass
0: line. Yeah. And and there's some good bass in this album. Well, there is, yeah. So the album was produced by Brian Wilson himself. It's really Brian, And LSD. Well, <laughs> yeah, brought to you by Brian Wilson and LSD. Yeah. And this is really Brian Wilson's reply to the Beatles' Rubber Soul album. Mm-hmm. Because Rubber Soul was such a departure from what the Beatles were doing and what everyone else was doing. It was just a huge impact. And it, I think it impacted Brian Wilson in such a grand way. And in no way do these songs sound like Rubber Soul, but I think just... The production value in it mm-hmm. was so great and that this was taken up a notch. And then obviously the Beatles hit back with Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band after this as well as kind of a reply to this one. So it's kind of interesting that these artists really played against each other, mm-hmm. you know, to create this music. And this is this album, Pet Sounds, is considered as an album that revolutionized music, you know, For produ- sure especially music production, you know, create an album basically that had to be created in the studio and could not be duplicated live. Mm -hmm. And obviously now with all the electronics and things like that, it can be. In fact, when I listened Mm -hmm. to him play a couple of weeks ago, you know, and listened to him play good vibrations and different songs like that, Sloop John Mm B, you know, they have backing tracks and things like that and they can make it sound great. But at the time you you couldn't do that kind of stuff. And that's how Sergeant Peppers was as Mm -hmm. well, you know? Yeah. And when the Beatles stopped touring and did Revolver, you know mm-hmm. Rubber Soul, those albums, that's kind of what the premise of those were as well, is to create a sound that had to be created in the studio. So the original battle of the bands. Basically. And this is really hard to describe what kind of music Pet Sounds is. You can describe it as psychedelic, pop, jazz, avant-garde, art rock, whatever you want to call it. It's its own thing. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to call it. We use this word a lot, concept album. And this, I guess, is a concept album. And in a lot of ways, most albums are concept albums. You know, if there's any kind of going theme in it, it's a concept album. And I kind of have a hard time with that theory. I I believe in a rock opera when you're telling a story. And sometimes these are just individual stories pieced together, but that's really what an album is, right? Well, exactly.
1: And what the common theme throughout all of this is a wall of sound.
0: Yeah, it is. And another common theme through all of this is the session musicians most especially the wrecking crew which there's too many of them to name i'll name a few of them but you know they they played on so many albums we've talked about them before on other album reviews and this really is a brian wilson solo album let's let's be honest i mean the other beach boys there's a little bit of singing and some backing vocals but this is a brian wilson's solo album with mm-hmm. the wrecking crew is really how you and other session musicians oh for sure and uh,
1: brian wilson he just needs love he's in love with
0: love and he he needs some love it, it's kind of crazy because this album's got 13 songs the longest song on this album is just barely over three minutes and the shortest song is just barely over two minutes they're very wow. short songs.
1: They're almost uniform.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They, they but are. at the same time, they're all different. Yeah, because generally when you have an album, you know, and mm-hmm. I keep going back to, say, Sergeant Peppers, but you look at a day in the life that's mm-hmm. a seven, eight minute long song, you yeah. know, that kind of it caps off the album, you know, ends the album. And it's the big an ultimate track, you know, yeah. it's the ultimate track to end the album. You don't have that on this.
1: No, this one, that's the only thing that really stays consistent is the timing of all of them. They're all
0: uh, pretty average length songs. I think the one thing they should have and could have done is there is one song that was recorded during these sessions, and it's one of their most famous, most popular, most well-received songs, Good Vibrations. And we did listen to that mm-hmm. after we listened to the album, and we're not going to review that song tonight because at some point we'll review the album Smiley mm-hmm. Smile, which yeah. that ended up hitting. But I think that track being a number one track, and it is a quite a bit longer song, a mm-hmm. little over five minutes long, I think that would have done very, very well on this album. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying that this album needed any help, but it was recorded during these sessions, and it seems to fit in with the theme of this album. It would be a good fit for this album. For yeah. Sure. So this album is certified platinum in the U.S. by the RIAA, considered one of the greatest albums of all time. It only reached number 10 in the U.S. It did much better in the U.K. It reached number two. But it's really funny because when you read any of Rolling Stones or classic rock reviews, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. rating albums, this always falls in the top 10 all the time.
1: Oh, for sure, and but, you know the Brits—they seem to get hip to stuff a lot faster than the Yanks do. On this, uh, they bond. cer
0: they certainly did in those times, without yeah. a doubt. The cover's kind of an interesting cover because it's long said as great as this album is. The cover's kind of
1: kind of junk cover.
0: It r- it really is. It's basically the band, the, yeah. At feeding they're at a goats, zoo. <laughs> yeah. They're
1: the zoo feeding yeah. goats, yeah. Petting zoo feeding the goats,
0: yeah. And. I don't know what it really means, you know? I mean, I don't know if they're trying to get yeah. the pet in there, and that's another thing Could is be. why this album was called Pet Sounds. You know, Brian Wilson has said a number of things, but he said it's just the sounds we all want to hear.
1: So, Okay, so like our favorite sounds, like yeah. pet peeves, and you know, pet sounds.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing, but he he has given multiple answers to that. Mm-hmm. But probably time to get to the album. Do you want to get to Side One?
1: Yep, let's put the pet notes away and go to Side One.
0: Side One. Okay, so Side One opens up with, What is probably the most popular or most well-known or second most well-known song on this album, Wouldn't It Be Nice? This is a song written by Brian Wilson, Tony Asher, and Mike Love. It's sang by Brian Wilson, and you have the other Beach Boys, their contribution to this song was backy vocals. And this song's got the famous Wrecking Crew involved on it. And let me tell you who's on this song. You've got Hal Blaine on drums, Frank Cap on timpani, Roy Caton on trumpet, Jerry Cole on guitar, Steve Douglas on saxophone, Carl Fortina on the accordion, Plas Johnson on saxophone, and Carol Kay on bass. Remember Carol Kay? We love Carol Kaye. She's an excellent do. bass player. So this song is basically describing a young couple having a fantasy about their romantic freedom. You know that they're going to have and will have once they become adults. I mean the lyrics are pretty straightforward. What are your thoughts on this song?
1: Uh, it really captures young love. And what um, was that a harp in the opening? What was that?
0: I is, I wonder if that's the timpani. That probably is. Yeah. yeah. The problem I, with this, and we're going to go through every song, is. There are so many damn instruments on every song, yeah. And I'm not a brass and strings expert, so that's going to be really hard for me to say. Okay, but I, I'm going to assume it was Frank Cap on the
1: timpani in the opening. It kind of
0: gave it this uh, what
1: otherworldly, um, or he- is it the heavenly. accordion? It might have been the accordion. Anyway, this is a very popular song. This is the Beach Boys Young Love song because it's very straightforward. It's very in your face. Brian Wilson, he just put it out there that, hey, wouldn't it be nice if we were older? Then we wouldn't have to wait so long. and We could just, you know, be together all the time instead of having to take you home at the end of the night or stuff. I think we've all been through a little bit of that, haven't we? Absolutely, we have. And he really puts it down on the album. He puts in vinyl for us to listen to.
0: Yes, because you've got a younger adult writing this. He's obviously Mm -hmm. an adult by this time, but he's writing the feelings of what he was when he was a Mm -hmm. child and had young love and things like that, you know, so kind of interesting. It's one of the most recognizable intros, whether it's the timpani or the accordion. I love the intro. Mm-hmm. It's a straightforward song. You know the one thing I wrote, and this is the stupidest thing, and I write this on a lot of them is this sounds like the Beach Boys. Oh,
1: absolutely, even
0: though they've departed from their surf music, their harmonies in this are absolutely amazing, and no one sounds like the beach Boys harmonies
1: and This was a great way to open this album for being as progressive as it was. This really this could be on any of the surfing albums.
0: Yeah, it's got a great hook, you know, mm-hmm. it, when you'd said earlier the bass is great, this song has got a great bass line yeah. in it, it's got a lot going on, which I'm going to say in every song, because every one of these songs has a lot going, <laughs> yeah. going on, I love the breakdown in it, and I love the use of horns and strings in it too, and I'm not a huge horn and string fan, generally in rock and roll mm-hmm. music. Somehow this album comes together that way for me, and it, mm-hmm. it, it hits right. And yeah. it, that's the perfect song to open this album with.
1: Yeah, it's a rock album done by an orchestra.
0: Yeah, kind of, but it mm-hmm. but it's done in a poppy way Yeah, with the standard Beach Boy harmonies, mm-hmm. and but still has hooks, that, mm-hmm. the hooks in the song and the lyrics and things, especially on this first song. Perfect album opener, and a perfect way to hook a guy in to listen to this, mm-hmm. or a gal.
1: Well, Brian Wilson's going to hit you with a wall of sound and of different instruments. You're going to hear a lot of sounds from a lot of different instruments throughout this whole album. And Brian Wilson, uh, he worked his butt off on this, and you can tell it really shows through.
0: Well, I'll say one thing, and this goes for every song through this whole album, is Brian Wilson trying to emulate Phil Spector's wall of sound. I don't like Phil Spector's Wall of Sound. Everything I've heard it on sounds muddy. It's
1: more of a wall of noise, isn't it? it, it?
0: Yeah, it's more, and it's always muddy and mixed poorly, in my opinion. This is mixed really well. This is composed. Yeah, and you got to remember, these are all songs Brian Wilson wrote, composed, produced, you know, led everyone through, painstakingly through Mm -hmm. everything. Every little
1: tinkling of the tambourine.
0: Yeah, you hear it. He was so invested in this, and we won't go too deep in that, but he was fully invested. So that moves Mm -hmm. us on to song two, You Still Believe in Me. Now, this was another song written by Brian Wilson and Tony Asher. Now, Tony Asher has stated that the songs he helped Brian Wilson write on this, it was very minimal with what he helped. I think it. From what it sounds like to me, and I may be wrong, it was with uh huh, that sounds great. Or, he- yeah, so Brian
1: Wilson's giving credit to Tony Asher just in case the album goes into the garbage and he can blame on
0: Yeah, that right? could be it. A- yeah. <laughs> so, this song is sang by Brian Wilson again. Now, this has got the Wrecking Crew on it again and a ton of other session musicians for horns, brass, bells mandolin etc you know Mm -hmm. and then you've got the beach boys their contribution on it is backing vocals again which isn't a bad contribution because like i said the harmonies are great now this song is about someone who has been irresponsible and unfaithful but is impressed with the loyalty of their mate towards them even so right yeah
1: but they got nowhere else to go and they're just kind of impressed like wow you would put up with
0: that yeah and a lot of people say this is about brian wilson's marital problems he was having at the time because of how invested he was in the drug culture how invested he was in making music and those kind of things he says it isn't but who knows what are your thoughts on this song i think he probably sold his wife's cocker spaniel for drugs and um she's still
1: stuck with him this one the opening on this one there's some sort of tinkling maybe it's a mandolin but it sounds maybe it's the bells but it sounds like a christmas song um or a christmas carol i don't know the, the way that it comes together it's an, it's an unusual sound, very different from the first song on the album. But um, as you get into the song, there's a lot of this uh, tinkling and brass and the tambourine, the bells, the cymbals, all of this coming together. And there's, there's that wall of sound and it ties with the, the lyrics and the subject of this in an unusual way. Not a bad song. I mean, I, I like what he's trying to do. And I like the sounds that I'm hearing. This song isn't necessarily one of my favorites, but it's a real pretty song for the topic that he's singing about. So what are your thoughts on this one?
0: You know, this is another one where I say, even though as much as I love the Beach Boys, I have a tough time telling the vocals. I Mm -hmm. mean, obviously we've got Brian Wilson on this again, but I think on this song, the harmonies are good again, but you don't expect anything less on a Beach Boys song. Once again, it's got a lot going on, a lot of instruments. I thought the vocal in this was the best thing. I thought it was a pretty vocal. I thought it was an emotional vocal. You can Mm -hmm. kind of feel the strain and pain in his voice. And it faded out, which I generally don't like, but I didn't mind it. It's a good song. It's a good second song to follow up with, I thought.
1: Yeah, um, this this song, I think, really shows
0: you what he's about with this album. It's not just the old, but he's going to bring you something new as well. Yeah, exactly. So that moves us on to song three, That's Not Me. This is another song written by Brian Wilson and Tony Asher. This one is sang by Mike Love with Brian Wilson on the backing vocals. You've got the rest of the Beach Boys on the backing vocals. Now, in this song, you got Brian Wilson playing organ, guitar, and bass. Carl Wilson is on guitar. Dennis Wilson's on drums. Hal Blaine is on the temple blocks, which I'm not familiar with, but they're some kind of wooden instrument. you got Steve Korthoff and Terry Melcher on tambourines. Terry Melcher actually had some ties to the Manson murders as well. Um, this song is basically describing a young man on a path towards his own self-discovery and independence, you know, but he ultimately decides, you know what, I can give all that up to live with this girl I love. What are your thoughts on this song?
1: So this song uh comes into a hard vocal opening. Like I mean it's just li- um the song lyrics
0: straight out of the gate. And then
1: the the instruments come in
0: with it. What did you think of Mike Love's vocals as compared to the first two songs with Brian Wilton? How can
1: you tell? Uh, That's what
0: what my thought is. Mike
1: Love uh, should have been Mike Wilson. He's he's one of the Wilson boys.
0: You can kind of tell a little bit, like you were saying earlier, if you know he's a he's an
1: octave lower, maybe or not even an octave. He's a he's just a half a step lower.
0: But kind of like we talked in our Paul McCartney episode, Mm -hmm. you know, Paul McCartney can sing in so many different ways. So I've always kind of thought in some ways, is this Brian Wilson just singing, you know, in a different voice? Sure. Why not? I mean, this might have been Brian Wilson in the
1: studio all by himself. Playing each instrument on so many different tracks, so hopped up on LSD that, like, the Space Martians came down to help him out with it in blues and purples. It was a real nice song that just says, I'm not me without you, or, like, that self-discovery is exciting, but love's comfortable, and we want comfort in the end, you know, so... All the excitement that comes from not going on a journey of self-discovery. It's more nice to just have a comfortable person to wrap yourself up with. Have a cozy night by the fire. Someone that cares about you and embraces you. All of that being said, this is one of my favorite songs on the album. I just think it's a really well-put-together song and a great sound. Brian Wilson, you can do whatever you want in the album. You know, lock yourself in there for 10 days on just whatever, you know, binge or uh, whatever you're doing. Have a habit. Produce more stuff like this. It's excellent. What uh what do you think about this, Justin?
0: Like we said, Mike Love sounds to me like Brian Wilson, you know, just a little bit different. But I really love the haunting organ. It's almost like a churchy organ in the background yeah. on this song, and I normally would not like that, but it works perfect with the mood of the song. I thought the percussion and the drums and whatever else is going on in this song was what stood out quite a bit, and I thought the vocals were excellent. You know, once again, An amazing vocal written by Brian Wilson, and I thought Mike Love did it justice. Did really well on this song. So that moves us on to the next song, Don't Talk, Put Your Head on My Shoulder. Once again, written by Brian Wilson and Tony Asher. Sang by Brian Wilson on this one. You've got The Wrecking Crew on it again with uh, multiple other session musicians on strings. Now, this is basically written about nonverbal communication between two lovers. It's been covered by a lot of artists. I... I was reading the list, and there's a lot of them: Linda Ronstadt, Elvis Costello, Jeff Beck, Johnny Depp, and a ton of others. What are your thoughts on this song?
1: You know, this song had a very steady rhythm, like heartbeat. You know, like the the rhythm that they kept going just was so steady, and was um. I, I think that's that wooden instrument that we talked about before, the temple blocks, because of just like knocking. Yeah, some kind of percussion of some sort. It was just so steady. And honestly, like at one point in this song, I thought, okay, Brian Wilson's singing about nonverbal communication, which kind of makes it now verbal. Because he's like, hey, uh, don't talk. Just come here and put your head on my shoulder. And that makes it kind of a creepy song.
0: (laughs) One-sided verbal communication. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah, Yeah, you don't say a word. I'm going to do all the talking for both of us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, which makes it kind of creepy. And I like the concept of the song, but I just don't think that the idea really came out on the vinyl. I I like where Brian Wilson's trying to go. I just can't follow him because he seems like a creepy uncle that's trying to get you into the closet. What are your thoughts on it?
0: You know, I really like the, it's got that churchy organ in it, in it again at the first. Mm-hmm. And I really like it. It's kind of haunting. Yeah. And you're talking about that thumping in the back. There's also a symbol, a constant symbol crash that's yeah. going on. Just a constant thump. Mm-hmm. I thought the bass line was really simple in this, but it's mixed way up front so you can hear it, and I always love when the bass is mixed up front. You know, it has good lyrics. You know, don't talk, take my hand, and let me hear your heartbeat. You know, I mean, I, I really like the lyric. He doesn't want to hear her talk, apparently, though.
1: I guess so. I, but I, I think that this would have been uh, nicer if it was, like, a sweeter music that it was paired with.
0: Well, and I think this song, among all the songs on this album. That's the one thing is you've got all this so-called Brian Wilson Wallace sound and all these instruments. Many of these lyrics would work well in a lot of different styles of music. So it'd be interesting to see them in that way.
1: Absolutely. That
0: moves us on to song five, I'm Waiting for the Day. Another one written by Brian Wilson, but this time he wrote this one with Mike Love. This is sang by Brian Wilson with backing vocals from Mike Love. Once again, it's got the Wrecking Crew and a bunch of other session musicians on strings. So this is written about a man waiting for a woman that he's completely in love with to finally commit to him. What are your thoughts on this song?
1: I think the friend zone sucks and Brian Wilson agrees because that's what this song sounds like. I, I really like it's got this percussion opening that, go, that joins in with the organ as it, the organ joins in later. And it was really nice. This is a heavy percussion song. Lot of drums, lot of just you know banging on stuff in this one, and I guess that's you know how it feels when you're just waiting for a woman that you're totally head over heels in love with to finally commit to you, but she doesn't like you in that way, Brian. I gotta say this album is all around all kinds of love: the jilted kind, the passionate kind, the shared, the one-sided. He's all over the place with with uh, love and. Uh, best of luck to him. There's also a really nice flute melody that I liked in
0: this song. How did you like it? Well, that was one of the things I wrote was the flute isn't bad in this song, but you're right. I did like the intro that has that drum percussion mm-hmm. intro. I really enjoyed that, and then it's got a simple organ beat that you know I do like the way Brian Wilson produces this and and most of the sounds are mixed up front so they're not muddy sounding you can hear them you can hear what's going on and it does have really good drumming in the middle it has a slow down and then it picks up again the drums are almost used as a solo in the middle just a short little solo and they do it twice and I really enjoyed that once again it's like you said lyrics about some kind of love in one way or another it's great lyrics I thought the song was okay you know it's a good Mm -hmm. song it's not a skipper by any means for me it's it's really weird because all the songs on these this album, they're very 60s sounding, yet they're nothing like anything else in the 60s. No, it it's it's a weird concept and I find myself yeah, I find it strange that I even like any of them. Some
1: of these songs sound like 80s songs. Like that's how a, uh, how far ahead Brian Wilson was when he wrote this.
0: Yeah, the the instrumentation is amazing what he's mm-hmm. done and the production's even better, but That moves us on to the next song, Let's Go Away for a While. This is a song written by Brian Wilson, and this is just an instrumental. It's basically written and arranged by Brian Wilson, but you've got the Wrecking Crew, among other session musicians on strings. This is the shorter song on the album, just barely over two minutes. What are your thoughts on this instrumental?
1: Uh, This is Brian Wilson being all about meshing various sounds together, and he does a really good job with it. I think he did... I, I was sitting there thinking about this. Okay, why did he title it, Let's Go Away for a While? And it really comes out because he's like, okay, I want to take you away on a surprise vacation. And we're going away for a while to various romantic destinations like Hawaii, Italy, Paris, Fiji. Then the, dr- the drums start in and so uh, the Congo. He's all over the place. But he tells you, hey, I want to take you away. For a while, we're just gonna go to all these romantic places, and it really sounds like these places. The bending of the the guitar in the way, or or the ukulele, the way that uh, they do in Hawaii, that comes through.
0: Really nice song for for what it is. A, a good instrumental. What do you think? Well, so this is the first of two instrumentals on this album, and I generally don't get into instrumentals too heavily. My first thing is, you know, this could have easily had lyrics to it. Sure should have, Yeah, and I think it should have. This reminds me, this is what I'm going to say on the second instrumental on this album. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Endless Summer. It's kind of a surf movie from the 60s. This reminds me of an instrumental on that movie, Mm -hmm. and I think anyone that's seen it will at least know what I'm talking about there. I thought it had excellent little drum fills in it, and you're right, the song takes you a lot of places, and I think that's why I'm saying it should have and could have had lyrics because you're... You can almost hear the lyrics. Yeah. You can almost hear the places it's going. And I i think you hit it right on the head. And there is a lot going on in this song, like everything mm-hmm. else. Barely over two minute song. And it takes you places and you can yeah. hear it. And I actually quite like it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's good. It sounds like movie soundtrack music to me, most specifically, mm-hmm. like I stated, the end of summer. But I think it easily could have been a good song with lyrics. For sure. You know,
1: with lyrics, it could have been one of my favorites. Without, it it just, it wasn't a least favorite. It was, it just didn't really rank for me. But, you know, I, li- I like what Brian Wilson's trying to do with that concept of telling you using the instruments instead of the words. Almost like he's challenging himself. Like, let me see if I can write a song that conveys everything I'm trying to say in the lyrics or that I would say with lyrics, that use instruments instead. I think he did it.
0: Oh, I do, too. I think this sounds like a song that's been stripped of its lyrics. That's yeah. what it sounds like mm-hmm. to me, where generally instrumentals sound like instrumentals. So that moves us on to the last song on side one. Probably the most popular song or the second most popular song to Wouldn't It Be Nice is Sloop John B. Now this was originally a Bahamian folk song, but it's been arranged by Brian Wilson. It's sang by Brian Wilson and Mike Love, and the other Beach Boys are on the backing vocals, of course. You've got the Wrecking Crew on the instruments on this one. Rolling Stone does rank this song as number 276 on their top 500, and I actually think that's low myself. You know, this this was released as a single with You're So Good To Me as the B-side. It did reach number three on the U.S. Billboard charts, number two in the U.K., and funny enough, number one in Germany, Austria, Norway, Sweden, Switzerland, the Netherlands, New Zealand, and a couple other small countries. So, You know, and I think if it maybe would have been released a little later, it probably would have hit number one. This one, just Mm -hmm. like Wouldn't It Be Nice, still sees heavy, heavy radio play to this day. It's been recorded in multiple versions by a ton of artists, more than we can even list. What are your thoughts on Sloop John B? This song, I think most people have have heard it, even if they haven't. This is the
1: I Feel So Broke Up, I Wanna Go Home. Yeah, the, it's that song that people would, would know. But yeah, the Sloop John B, it's a classic song, but the Beach Boys really fits their sound, and it really fits the sounds of this album. There's a lot going on with this. A lot of tinkling from cymbals and uh you know little bells going on with this that I haven't heard in other versions. But it's a fun song. I mean, it's it's good to to enjoy and listen to. There's something about this song that the the beat or the rhythm of it goes. It's more chugging like a train, less uh like a boat ride than I I think. But that's probably inherent with the song itself because I mean the the Bahamian original. That's just They didn't do anything different with the beat. They just did what the song is, but they put their Beach Boys twist on it and did a great job with it.
0: How did you like it? You know, I didn't originally like this song years ago. I remember hearing this. It's been in so many movies and TV shows. I remember this song was in the Forrest Gump soundtrack and in the movie, obviously. And I didn't really care for the song at that time. Even though I like the Beach Boys, this was one of the songs that was more popular than theirs that I didn't like. But I've actually come to love this song. I Mm -hmm. really enjoy this song now. I think it's got a great bass line to it. And the harmonies in this are amazing, again, in the chorus. I think they're amazing harmonies. I mean, they're so... This sounds so stupid, but they're Beach Boy harmonies, right? That's the only way I can explain it. They're perfect. Mm -hmm. It has really, really good drumming throughout this song. But like you said, it's got a lot of little ditties going on in the background, all Mm -hmm. kinds of sounds, all kinds of things going on. You know, I love the lyrics. They're so descriptive, you know, the first mate, he got drunk, Mm -hmm. broke in the captain's trunk. It's pretty straightforward, but the lyrics are pretty descriptive of what's going on and I I think Brian Wilton did an amazing job on this song i'm pretty sure originally this was just a drinking song you know that's kind of what it
1: sounds like it's a a classic drinking song but these guys have taken it and made it into a beach boys jaunty little
0: boating song it's it's a funny song Mm -hmm. it's it's a fun song but it's it's endearing and it's Kind of a lovely song all at the same time. I don't know how to explain it. It's really strange, but I've come to love this song over the years more than I ever have. So that closes out Side 1. You ready to flip the record? Flip it to Side Side B. 2. Okay, so Side 2 opens up with God Only Knows. Now, this song was written by Brian Wilton and Tony Asher. This one's actually sang by Brian's brother, Carl Wilton, and you've got Brian Wilton and Bruce Johnston on backup vocals. You, you can't tell. No, you can't. That's the problem. <laughs> So once again, you've got the Wrecking Crew on the instruments, you've got Terry Melcher on tambourine, and a bunch of other session musicians on strings, horns, accordions, guitars, etc., 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 right? Now, this was released as a single, but it was actually the B-side to Wouldn't It Be Nice. It was actually reversed and released as the A-side in other countries, but in the U.S. it was the B-side to Wouldn't It Be Nice, which I think kind of a mistake. This should have been its own A-side single here, but... Yeah. The single reached number 39 in the U.S., but it did reach number two in the U.K. and number six in Canada. Now, one little funny thing about this song, a lot of people probably know this, but a lot of artists, and more particular, probably one of the most popular artists, Paul McCartney, lists this as his favorite song of all time. He thinks this is the most beautiful song ever. I, Justin, might have to agree with him. All right. So Rolling Stone, once again, for what it's worth, ranks this as the 11th best song of all time. And and tell me that's crazy for a B-side song that only reached number 39 on the charts. And they're ranking it the 11th best song of all time. And one of the best songwriters of all time, Paul McCartney, says it's the best song ever written. Well, once again,
1: it was number two in the U.K., So the Brits. But even number two. I mean, if you're saying
0: this, you've got a guy like Paul McCartney saying this is the most beautiful song ever written. You know, what was funny about this song is where it has God in the song (laughs) title. There was a lot of radio stations that wouldn't play it because that was not a common thing. You didn't put the word God or Mm -hmm. hell or damn in songs, especially in the song title, let alone, you know, in the song lyrics or anything at the time. So The radio stations were hesitant to play it at first, which Mm -hmm. probably lent to the fact that the single didn't do as well, obviously.
1: Probably, especially in a more Protestant country like the United States. The UK was a bit more atheist or godless at that time, so they were okay with it.
0: Well, and and it's not talking about God in that manner. It's almost a pro-God song, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you may as well say Divine Providence only knows what I'd be without you. It's basically a song about a man saying that only God could understand what would happen if this relationship they're involved in were to be dissolved. If something was to happen and this relationship no longer existed... It sounds like a threat. It, it does kind of sound like a He's entrapping a his girlfriend. It's, She's it's, being human trafficked. Either that or a worry. Oh, okay. y- you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. you want to say. But what are yeah. your thoughts on this song? This uh, big love. I've got to say it. <laughs> yeah. Big
1: love. Yeah, this that, <laughs> that big... was my uh, first thing. To yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I loved it. This song is one of my favorites now. I totally understand what Paul McCartney's coming from. Because before before listening to this, this wouldn't have been one of my favorite songs. And yeah, you know, the, the listening to this album this tonight in its entirety, this song I, I uh actually number one on the album the first one uh what was it? Wouldn't it be nice? That would have been my favorite. After listening to this album, this one's one of my favorites, and wouldn't it be nice? Didn't quite rank for me. It's a good song. It just wasn't one of my top three. But this is this is one of my top three. Beautiful song. Really conveys everything that he's trying to say using. The lyrics using the music and that wall of sound. He's orchestrated it and made something perfect. This is the Magnus opus of a Brian Wilson. Well done. What do you think?
0: Couldn't agree with you more. And I think wouldn't it be nice? This is kinda of, to me like if you want to say concept, wouldn't it be nice is the way to open it? And this is later in the relationship mm-hmm. when he's worrisome about what would ever happen. Yeah. You know, if this relationship were to be dissolved.
1: Yeah, someone that you've grown so much together with that you don't even know who you are without them anymore,
0: right? Yeah, this, this is, I would say Good Vibrations and this song are my two favorite Beach Boys songs. This one outranks Good Vibrations by a long shot. And this probably falls, well, without a doubt, in my top 10 favorite songs of all time. I love this song. I love everything about it. I love the intro. I think the lyrics and the vocals in this song are probably the best I have ever heard in a song. They're just so beautiful and pretty. and mm-hmm. It's got so much going on. And, you know, my first thought when I first heard this years ago, Carl Wilson singing this, you know, it's like, OK, that's I, I think once again, Brian's lying to us because <laughs> it sounds
1: just I mean, the the Wilsons sound like the Wilson's.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, this has got an amazing bass line. The drums are amazing in this. And then I my one big thing I wrote and circled is Big Love. Yep. <laughs> you know, and it really is Big Love. The music in this is so, there's so much going on in it. Mm-hmm. But it is, for some reason, it fits perfect with the lyrics. The music's beautiful. This There really isn't much to say about this song, and I think you know where it's going to rank for me and apparently for you at the mm-hmm. end. But this this song makes this album pretty much yeah you know a lot of times i know when we've ranked albums we said hey it's only got two 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. songs on it and so we can't rank the album high this song is above a 10 to me and mm-hmm. it still gets a lot of play today and i will stop and listen to this song every time i love it yeah i love everything about it so that moves us on to the next song i know there's an answer this one was written by brian wilson terry Sacken, and mike love and Mike Love was actually given a partial writing credit on this, but not until 1994, because he basically sued. He wanted to change the song title, and they did change the song title and some of the lyrics, and he wanted a writing credit because of that. I don't know if it's true or not, but it is what it is. <laughs> okay. Now, this one's sang by Mike Love, and it's got Al Jardine and Brian Wilson on backing vocals. On this, you've got Brian Wilson on the keyboard, you've got the other Beach Boys on the backing vocals, you've got the Wrecking Crew again on this song. Now, this song was heavily inspired by Wilton's use of LSD. This was the problem. He felt he was suffering what was called an ego death and the loss of his own self. And, you know, when you let go of your ego, it's a big problem. And And that was a big problem with people with drugs and things like that. But Mike Love didn't want to sing those lyrics because the song was originally called Let Go of Your Ego and People in the Know knew what that meant that's why he wanted it changed basically this is about finding meaning within yourself but at the same time allowing others to live as they choose to live what are your thoughts on this song well
1: L S D will do that to you this song was um the bass clarinet (laughs) i remember that Uh, yeah this song's not all that memorable for me but I, this is obviously a druggy song, and I, I didn't really understand what he was trying to say. I guess I need to start doing more heavy drugs.
0: Was well, that where you get the lyrics? They trip through the day and waste all their thoughts at night. So uh, here's here's my thoughts.
1: Only rich people have the leisure time to delve into drug-fueled philosophy.
0: Fair enough. Okay,
1: yeah. This, this song just, it does not resonate within me because I don't have that kind of money or time. So I I appreciate Brian Wilson trying to endow us with some of that philosophy that he's gleaned from his trips on LSD and the death of his ego. I think I'll stick with Carl Jung myself.
0: <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on this one? You know, as far as the song, I thought it had a decent keyboard intro. It, it does have a really good vocal. I mean, this is the Beach Boys to a T. I did like the bass line, and it's got a little bass line in the in the break, and it's got that bass clarinet like we talked and Mm -hmm. I really did like the sound of that other than that, though, the song was, you know, this was probably the first song on the album that was really kind of album filler to me and I could do with or without. You oh. got a, you got an album with 13 songs. You're going to yeah. have a song or two like that on here. But it yeah. wasn't bad.
1: Well, I gotta say, that bass clarinet really threw me for a loop. because yeah, it's kind I, of I, interesting. I, I looked at you and I said, what the hell is that thing? Yeah. <laughs> and then when you said, well, this is the instruments that it has in it and bass clarinet, it clicked. I'm like,
0: that is the sound of a clarinet. A few octaves down. Yeah, kind of interesting. So that moves us on to the next song, Here Today, written by Brian Wilson and Tony Asher. This one's sang by Mike Love. It's got the Beach Boys again on backing vocals and once again the wrecking crew on the instruments. This song is written about a... It's basically a warning to be hesitant of a newfound love because you want to be hesitant, you know, to prepare and save yourself from the heartbreak that could come, right? It's like being overly cautious, right? Well, yeah, but... That being said, it seems like this guy is meeting up with his
1: ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend. And he's like, good luck with her, buddy. Sort of thing. Like, wow, way to shit all over this guy's newfound happiness. You're no prize, Brian Wilson. Well, that's not true. He is prize.
0: So this song was released as a B-side to the single Darlin, which the, the A-side Darlin did hit number 19 in the U.S., but the B-side here today, the song... We're listening to here it did not chart what are your thoughts on this song
1: you know this one wasn't one of my favorites i I thought it sounded kind of weird um like i said that just the the message of it like well love's here today but it's gonna be gone tomorrow and you know you you're in love with her now but just like me you're gonna get sick of her you're gonna you're gonna want to be away from her i'm like well maybe or maybe the problem was you I mean, that that's kind of the thing, is every like, relationship, there's two sides of, of it. And every guy that's broken up, well, she was crazy. And every girl that's broken up with a guy, oh, he was abusive, emotionally. Because we never listened to her, like most guys never listen it, it just, it had some weird sounds in there. And I didn't like the lyrics. That's why it's not one of my favorites. I'm being pretty harsh on this song. And I think I'm coming off more harsh on this song than I intend to, because I just really didn't think about it all that much but I, It's really instilled some passion in me. What are your thoughts?
0: You know, this is another song that, like an earlier song, that it, it's really a really subdued song. But the intro went right to the singing, right mm-hmm. to the lyrics. It does have a bass trombone in it that that lends a good sound to this song. I, mm-hmm. I did like that. I I generally wow. I'm not a huge saxophone fan, but I did like the saxophone in that in this mm-hmm. song. I did like when the song slowed down a little better. Like you, I didn't really care for the lyrics as much. I thought bass trombone and the sax were decent in it and it's almost like this one probably should have been uh instrumental you know i just didn't really care for the lyrics but kind of like you you know i mean i'm i'm judging this off some of the other songs that are great and this is just a decent song you know i don't mind listening to it and i don't dislike the song it's just Mm -hmm. not the strongest on the album so that moves us on to the next one i just wasn't made for these times Written by Brian Wilson and Tony Asher. Once again, sang by Brian Wilson. You've got the Beach Boys on backing vocals, and you've got a ton of session musicians on all the instruments again. Now, this is written about the disillusionment of someone who struggles with their life and basically how to fit into society in the current times. What I like about this song and what endears it to me is one of my favorite series of all time on television, Mm -hmm. Mad Men. This was actually used in the 5th season on an episode and it's an episode where if you are familiar with Mad Men, Roger Sterling and his wife Jane, they're basically taking LSD and they're tripping and this song is playing and it kind of uh. it kind of sets the mood right. It's a perfect song to use in that and it's it always whenever I hear it it reminds me of Mad Men for some reason. You know a lot of people, a lot of so-called experts consider this to be one of the best Beach Boys songs of their so-called new era. You know, the new era mm-hmm. they kicked off after their surf music era. Basically, this is the very longest song on the album at three minutes twelve seconds. So that's pretty average. Three minutes twelve seconds. It's average, but it still
1: is the longest song on the album. What yeah. are your thoughts on this song? Uh, you know, this song was really good. I I found it very relatable. I love the sounds. I love the, once again, Brian Wilson's composition of putting all these uh, different musicians with all these variety of instruments together to um, contribute, to tell the same story that he's uh, saying with the lyrics. And I found it very relatable. Everyone's looking for the place where they fit in and everybody feels like a square peg trying to go into a round hole after round hole after round hole until they finally Uh, And some people never do find their square hole that they're meant to fit into. It's a very relatable thing. It's very universal. Some people, they just seem like they've always fit in. And uh, if you talk to the popular kids in school, you'll find that a lot of times they're just as insecure as everybody else. They don't feel like they fit in. They don't feel like they were as popular as you think they were. That's just kind of how it goes. Uh, Sometimes when you're trying to find your favorite things, your friends won't be eager to experiment it with you. And so you'll go off and try some different things. And uh, sometimes you make new friends in these new ex- things you're experimenting with. Say, you, you know, you get into Renaissance fairs or uh, Coachella, the Comic-Con, or Burning Man, or whatever it may be, you know? Like, you try different things and you'll meet new people. And some of them will become your friends and then you find that they're your people. And then you start to feel more comfortable when you find where you fit in and who you are but until then uh, sometimes you feel nostalgic for a time that you were never alive during and it's it's, it's kind of weird but we, we uh we've talked uh not on this podcast but you and i about things like uh reincarnation or past lives or, or things like that and you know that's a, a concept that you know maybe we do have parts of us that glean memories from past lives and so we feel like we're strangers to this time that we're living in until we find where we fit. What do
0: you think about that? (laughs) Well, I think you read a hell of a lot into the lyrics on this. I do. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I like this song. The harmonies in this are great. Once again, I think it's kind of a sad song and it's the first song that really isn't about love. This is more about self-reflection, right? I wouldn't say feeling sorry for yourself, but just Mm -hmm. trying to find your place in the world. Yeah. A desire
1: for self-discovery.
0: Yeah, it's a sad song, but it's to upbeat music. One thing I really like in this is the bass, and it's, the bass is all provided by an upright bass, which I really enjoy. Basically, Brian Wilson's truth. This is Brian Wilson, you know, going through his drug period and his little bit of schizophrenia and things he's going through, and he doesn't feel like he fits in, and he may not fit in. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you don't feel like you fit in, you you may not, but who fits in? So that moves us on the next song, which is the second instrumental on the album. This is... The title song. The title track (laughs) song. This is written and arranged by Brian Wilson. It's got Brian Wilson on piano and, once again, several session musicians on instruments. No Beach Boys on this song, with the exception of Brian Wilson. Now, this was originally titled Run, James, Run, and it was intended by Brian Wilson to be part of a James Bond film. It was never used, so... I don't know why it wasn't. Uh, maybe he just had a grandiose thought that that's what it would be used for, but it wasn't. That would have been a very interesting James Bond soundtrack. Yes, it would. Yeah. What are your <laughs> thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, when we were talking earlier about, um like, pet sounds and, you know, being pet peeves or our favorite things or, you know, stuff that's near and dear to us, this is a, a great song about those pet sounds. It's got this wooden knocking that keeps that beat, um, like I was saying with the... uh that other song. I think that I got that mixed up with this one. It's got the bass guitar. In fact, after that, I started to write down the things I could pick out here. There's the bass, there's the horns, which were like a trumpet. And then it sounded like maybe a dulcimer. Maybe it was the mandolin I was hearing, but it was uh it was really cool, like all of these different instruments and mixing together in this wall of sounds. And I, I enjoyed the song, but it was not as enjoyable as the first intr- instrumental for me. What did you think about this one?
0: So that sound you were hearing is actually a guitar, oh. played played through a Leslie speaker, and I had to look that up because I was wondering that myself. And I really like that. And this is the first song on the whole album, or the song twelve, the second to last song on the album, that there is noticeable guitar in it. True. You know this. This once again, this being the second. Um, instrumental on the album it reminds me even more so of a song that should have been on the endless summer movie should have Mm -hmm. been part of that soundtrack i like the bass in this it's definitely it definitely belongs on movie this one didn't seem as much like it was missing lyrics like the first Mm -hmm. one this one seems more like an instrumental it does and i enjoyed it you know i enjoy it fully it's just an instrumental but (laughs) i enjoyed it more than i would generally so that moves on to the last song on the album, Caroline No, or Carolyn No, written by Brian Wilson and Tony Asher. Once again, sang by Brian Wilson. It's got a bunch of session musicians on it once again. No Beach Boys besides Brian Wilson. This is a Brian Wilson composition again. He kicked him out of the studio for the last couple songs. Yeah, he must have. So this is a song about a man reflecting about a former love interest of his and the loss of her innocence, basically, as she was, you know, changes were happening to her as she was growing up and becoming an adult. So he didn't want those things to happen. He wanted the naivety. He wanted the young Caroline. This was released as a Brian Wilson solo single. And it reached number 32 in the U.S., and I guess they thought this was going to be a number one hit. Brian Wilson, the you know the record company, everybody, but it just didn't do as well as they thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Brian Wilson has said for a lot of years that this is his personal favorite song off the album. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on this?
1: Well, I was wondering, was this written about Caroline Ingalls, uh, Karen Grassley? but then no this that was the 70s this was 66 yeah there's a
0: little early this for her way
1: before that yeah that being said it was a great song and i am a little surprised that it only went to 32 this is a great song it really captures that uh, feeling that you have when you're so in love with a young person that's so sweet and innocent in their youth But sometimes when people grow up, and specifically it's when they become sexually active, then they go a little insane, and uh, they lose that innocence, and they become a monster, and then you just wish that you could preserve that innocent, sweet person that they always were in the past, but, you know, Caroline, no, don't be the way you are going.
0: (laughs) Yeah, quit growing up, Caroline.
1: Can't you just stay cute and little forever? and still becoming a woman. Even so, I loved the song. It was one of my favorites. What did you think?
0: Well, funny enough, one of the musicians on this is Glenn Campbell. He plays this 12-string guitar. Mm -hmm. The the harpsichord is featured in this quite Mm -hmm. heavily, and I actually don't mind that. I think this is a very sullen song. Yeah, you know it's void of any harmonies. You know the Beach Boy like harmonies because you've only got mm-hmm. Brian Wilson on it. It's definitely a Brian Wilson solo song, except mm-hmm. for the 500 session musicians that are on it. You know, I don't mind the song. I like I like the theory of it. I think maybe that's why it didn't hit home so much as a single is that it is kind of a soulful song. It doesn't really have a good hook to it, mm-hmm. which I think with popular music a lot of times you've got to have. But I do enjoy the song. It had kind of a strange ending with the train coming mm-hmm. at you and the dog barking. I, I'm not really mm-hmm. quite sure what that has to do with anything or what, what that lends to it. But no.
1: Th- this was a weird song to end the album with. It, it was a good song, but it didn't need that train and dog ending, which I, I guess just drives home the pet sounds. But it just I don't know. I don't get that part. That-
0: yeah, and I think this is where good vibrations could have been put on the album to close it out. You
1: know, I'd be okay with that. Just yeah. kick uh, Caroline No over
0: onto a Smiley Smile. I think so, too. So that is the last track, mm-hmm. Pet Sounds. Do you want to get to Winners and Losers? Yep, let's have them. Winners and Losers. Okay, so I'm going to ask you first, because you always go first. Why don't you list me your two or three least favorite songs off this album? So my first uh, least favorite
1: was Here Today, and I just I didn't like it as a uh as a song. It just uh I thought it was weird sounding and it was you know, just kind of a a jerk thing to do to your ex girlfriend is go to her new boyfriend and like, yeah, enjoy my leftovers sucker sort of thing. And I, I didn't like that. See next least favorite, going back here to number five was I'm waiting for the day. I really liked the percussion, the heavy percussion on it, but it just seemed like it was about being friend zoned, <laughs> waiting for a girl to commit to you who she doesn't love you bro just you know go find somebody that's head over heels for you and then my last uh least favorite is don't talk put your head on my shoulder it came across as creepy and i shouldn't have let it go that direction so this is on me that's why it's one of my <laughs> least favorites so I'm, i am so sorry brian wilson i am responsible
0: for that one uh so those are my three what are your uh, least favorites there really isn't any songs on this album that I dislike heavily, and I can say, hey, this should have definitely been left out. But we are close on one song, Don't Talk, Put Your Head on My Shoulder. That was my mm-hmm. very least favorite song on this album. It just didn't really, it was just kind of basic, nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. It just didn't speak to me that much, nothing out of the normal.
1: Yeah, but once again, that's a, what the song where he was doing a lot of saying, or a lot of ver- vocalizing for a song that's like, let's just let our bodies do the talking and not uh, have any of the vocal cues.
0: But that is tough. How do you write a song? But he, you know, he did
1: it. He he did that, uh, what was the uh, one? The instrumental, yeah. Yeah, the instrumental yeah. one.
0: Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Uh, let's let's, go, let's away go away for a while. Yeah, let's go away. That's, that's the one. That was a good way to do it. And then my second least favorite was You Still Believe in Me. It just didn't really, it, the same type of thing. Not a bad song at all. I wouldn't kick any of them off this album. My biggest problem with this album is that Good Vibrations wasn't on it. And I don't even think you would have needed to kick a song off to include it. Of course, being the vinyl, it might not have fit. So it is what it is. But those are my two least favorites, and that's about as far as I can go on those. What are your favorite songs on this album? Okay,
1: so for favorites, I really liked number three, That's Not Me. That one's definitely one of my favorites, even with the fade out ending. just a, it really captured everything about it. My favorites on this are the songs where the music and the lyrics are very equally measured in telling the same story or or sending the same message. so that one's one of them i don't I don't even know if like I'm gonna rank these as to which ones are one, two, and three most favorites, but I'm just going to go in order of where they come on there. I really thought that the, the very first track wouldn't be, it'd be nice. I thought that was going to be one of my favorites going into this. It, it uh, is a good song. If I had four favorites, that would be number four. God only knows. I, uh, that one's, I said I wasn't going to rank them, but that one's probably the tip top for me. And then the third favorite that I had was, I just wasn't made for these times. Love that song. Really well made. And I completely agree with everything that you are going to say about God Only Knows. So I'm going to let you take it from here.
0: So, you know, if I was to name three songs, I'll probably name four. Mm -hmm. I would say probably fourth place for me would wouldn't it be nice. I'm a person that generally doesn't pick the heavy radio play songs, but I love that song. It's a good beginning. And I like the way that starts out the love that he's talking about and Mm -hmm. it kind of plays into the god only knows my second and third third and second whatever you want to call it favorite songs would definitely be sloop john b Mm -hmm. i've i've come to love that song and i'm with you on i just wasn't made for these times i think Mm -hmm. that song is really really well made Everything about it's good. The music's good. The harmonies are good. And I think even though I'm not super into lyrics, that song really resonates with me. And because I think everyone has a feeling of that at some point Mm -hmm. or not. And I just think it's a beautiful song. Not to mention it was in Mad Men, which is a plus. Yeah, totally relatable song. Exactly. Okay, now (laughs) let's go to the Big Love. (laughs) Yeah, Big Love. God Only Knows is, you know, like I stated earlier. And I mean, obviously that was easy. You knew it was going to be my favorite. It is my favorite Beach Boys song, and I just think it's probably the only song that doesn't feature guitar mm-hmm. or heavy bass. Or I mean, it's got decent bass in it, but it's void of any guitar. It's really not a rock and roll song. It's just a beautiful song. From the lyrics to the music to the way it makes you feel, it's just an amazing song. I mm-hmm. I like everything about it, and I completely agree with Paul McCartney on that. I Actually, I take that back. I don't think it's the best song of all time, but I'm I'm up there with it. Okay. So without a doubt, it's, it's an amazing song. My mm-hmm. favorite of these guys, my favorite on the album. It- For sure. So do you want to rate the album? Yep, let's do it. Album
1: rating. Okay, so our rating system, if this is your first uh, episode listening to us, we go on a scale of 0 to 10, and uh, 5 being right in the middle, where you neither love it nor hate it. Uh, zero. We have to burn the album because it's that bad and never listen to it again. Uh, ten. I have to go and buy the album if it if we if we rank it a ten. So my ranking for Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. I'm giving it a six point five. I was going to I was going to put it at five originally, smack dab in the middle. And then I realized like after, during the listening to this while I was going through like the whole thing. It clicked with me. I saw what Brian Wilson was doing, and I really appreciated it. And the it, it really jumped it up a point and a half for me, in my estimation, to something that I want to hear this again. And I think if I continue to listen to it, it's going to grow on me. Uh, where do you put this one?
0: You know, this one's hard for me. There's there's 13 songs on this album, and not a single one of them would I take off. But not all of them are great. You've got one of my favorite songs of all time in God Only Knows. Mm-hmm. I love Wouldn't It Be Nice, Sloop John B, I Wasn't Made For These Times. You put those four songs together as an EP, and you've got mm-hmm. a 10 out of 10 without sure. a doubt. yeah. I rank this album. You know, before I go into my ranking, you know, one of the questions is, is does this album hold up over time? And I know it was very innovative at the time, very different. It certainly spurred on the Beatles to go one step above and beyond. That's something that's very important in the music history.
1: Yeah this this is an album that made history.
0: Yeah, it is. And you know, you take those four songs that I absolutely love, and you know, the other nine songs are pretty strong. There's a mm-hmm. co- you know a couple instrumentals that aren't bad for instrumentals, and a couple songs that are so, you know, take them or leave them. But But there's only really three
1: that get any radio
0: play. Yeah, there really is. And, you know, and I figure I was kind of picking low-hanging fruit by my Mm -hmm. three favorites. Three of my four favorites are definitely heavy radio play, but sometimes there is a reason, too, Mm -hmm. that they're played so heavily. You know, because even songs you hear all the time that are played heavily, sometimes you dislike them, but you don't dislike them because they're a bad song. You dislike them because... You hear them too damn often, right? None of these songs do I get sick of hearing. This album, probably as an album, it's really hard for me. I think I have to give this one a nine. I don't think an album can contain four of the best songs of all time, (laughs) and especially one that I figure hits close to the top of the list, and not be that strong and especially what the album has created with other artists and the kind of production values it brought. And it's to me, I know a lot of people say this isn't, doesn't hold up and it's not as relevant today. I completely disagree with that.
1: Oh, I have to say that the same thing. I completely disagree. This is as relevant today as it was in 1966. Yeah. That's a 60 year span.
0: Yeah. And love means everything, right? I think this album is held up in some ways better than Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band has. Oh, for sure. And and I love I love that album.
1: that Another concept album that was really innovative and cutting edge for the time. This one, Brian Wilson really got in touch with that inner whatever he was looking for. He put a whole lot of love onto an album, and it's still coming out even today. I think it's a mistake that there's not more radio play with some of these songs.
0: Yeah, I agree. But but the ones that get it now definitely deserve it. And yeah. So I ranked this album in nine, and I don't even know where I'm missing that point at. It is what it is, but I think in its amazing album, anything that contains those four songs that I listed, in my opinion, is strong.
1: Oh, absolutely. That would have been a 10 out of 10. I would have bought that album.
0: So that's the Beach Boys and Pet Sounds, and I think we mm-hmm. just completed our longest episode yet. We had a lot to say about this one. I guess we did, <laughs> but... You know, if you have any suggestions, you agree with us, disagree with us, you know, want to shoot us a recommendation, we do have a couple in line that we need to get out and get Mm -hmm. recorded. Send them over at classicvinylpodcasts at gmail.com. You're welcome to reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter. But until next time,
1: we love hearing from you. Have a good night.
0: See ya. Thank you so much for listening to Classic
1: Vinyl Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at ClassicVinylPodcast for updates and also share us with your music loving friends.